Hello, everyone. It is Sunday night, September 22nd. Welcome to the 29th episode of the Tech Educator Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Jeff Bradbury. We are so happy that you are here joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about iOS 7, the brand new operating system that Apple just produced. Have you waited in line yet for the Apple iPhone 5C or even the 5S? Are you disappointed that you didn't get one yet? I know I am. We're also going to talk about cloud solutions that continue our month on cloud-based education. We, of course, talked a little bit about different ways that you can use things like Google Drive, Dropbox. We talked about different projects that you can do. And today we're going to really wrap up our month on cloud education and talk about creative projects that you can do with your students as you go through your classroom this year. And we're also going to talk a little bit about some of the great stuff we have going next month at as we uh, approach very quickly here, Connected Educator Month, and how you, yes, you, you, no, you, you in Arizona with the glasses, how you can be a part of the Tech Educator Podcast and be featured here on Connected Educator Month. So sit right back. We have a great show for you. We have two amazing co-hosts on with us. I want to bring on to the show Mr. Jeff Herb. Jeff, how are you today? Jeff, I am doing fantastic today. Thanks. How are you doing? It, I'm doing well. It's good to see you. How are things out in, uh, in the Windy City there? Uh, it's very nice today. It was about 70 degrees, sunny. It was just nice to be outside a lot of the day today, something I haven't been able to do in a while. <laughs> <laughs> it is certainly good to hear about that. It's been a nice day here in New Jersey. Um, That's good. We had a, a brand new uh, Phillies manager name today. Oh, very cool. Uh, somebody who you actually might be familiar with, uh, Ryan Sandberg. Oh, yes, I've heard of him. <laughs> great, great Chicago Cub. He's actually Chicago interesting. He's, celebrity. he's actually the only current manager who's also in the Hall of Fame. Did you know? Wow, I did not know that. And do you know what that means for the players on the field? What would you? <laughs> absolutely nothing. No, that's absolutely correct. <laughs> Didn't make them play any better. But, that's funny. Uh, but uh, what's going on this week in Instructional Tech Talk? I saw some blog posts come through for TeacherCast, and you, you've been busy over there, haven't you? Yes. That, that must uh, mean really, that marriage is settling down, right? Yeah, right. I'm actually getting back into the groove of things here. Um, yeah, I'm really excited this week. Uh, we're kind of getting back into the podcast in a more regular release schedule. And so for the next seven days, there will be digital shorts released um, uh, on the Instructional Tech Talk podcast channel. That will be, you know, anywhere between five and 10 minutes in length, and it will highlight a tool or an app that you can use in your classroom um, and just give you a little bit of information about that. And we're going to do that seven days in a row. And at the end of that, we'll release with a full featured episode and um, just kind of ramping back into uh, getting a more regular release cycle of the show. So excited to be able to do that. Very, very cool. Well, also joining us on the show tonight from California, we have Mr. Sam Patterson. Sam, how are you tonight? I am doing really well, Jeff. Um, you had a long had drive a, today, didn't you? I, I did another one of my epic eight-hour drives, Southern California to Northern California, here in plenty of time to kick back and relax and get a uh, walk-in friends ready for tonight's podcast. Now, does walk-in like to change the channel in the, on the, in the car on the way up? Um, he, he would. He complains a lot, but he can't actually change the channel. What, why? Oh, oh, Jeff, he doesn't have arms. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I remember. I just okay. wanted to have you admit that. 
It's true. So what's been going on with the Batui? Now, in the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been spending a little bit of time together on Tuesdays. Talk to us about those shows that we have up there on teachercast.net slash YouTube. And uh, what's been going on with the Batui Network? Well, last week we had um, a couple of the speakers from the Digital Kids EDU show in San Francisco on Wednesday. They showed up a little early and talked with us on Tuesday. We had the CEO of Roblox as well as Tinker um, with us, and they were sharing their products. And we were, but mainly we were talking about how do you foster inspiration in student learning. And we talked about helping kids become self-directed learners and really this was kind of a a chat about how do you change what's going on to the point where they really have a lot of their own traction so that was great and this week we're going to be having a chat on uh, iPad implementation or tablet-based instruction implementation and really looking at how do you stay student-centered and not become tech-centered even when you're trying to problematize how to best use that tech. Um, we're going to be asking what makes a good app versus, and also what does a learning station do? So, Because I've seen a lot of people talking about learning stations for iPads and they present a lot of different things. So really getting some teachers to share their best practices there. Nice, nice. So uh, continued success there on Patui as well. And, of course, thank you again out there for watching. We can be found tonight on the hashtag Tech Educator, as we always can. And you can follow us on Twitter at Tech Ed Show. And if you're looking for all of the archives of our shows, they can be found right here on TechEducatorPodcast.com, where we have all of our audio, all of our video, and also the most important thing in the world right now to us, this little button right here that says subscribe to us on YouTube. And that number there, Sam and Jeff, is growing every single day, and we love it. When you reach out to us and subscribe on YouTube, we have our great um, audio and video boxes here. You can, of course, scroll down our page at techeducatorpodcast.com and subscribe to our individual shows on iTunes. Subscribe to our newsletter, and of course, check out the TeacherCast educational broadcasting community, where tonight, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are actually bringing you the second principal cast last week we had our first principal cast which you can find at principalcast.com and uh three great amazing educators Teresa steger jessica johnson and dr spike cook they are here every single sunday at 9 30 to help you and your administrative needs tonight we're going to be talking a little bit about social media and how educators and administrators I don't mean to differentiate the two, but it's kind of funny to do that. But how ed educators and administrators are using social media in their schools. And, uh, you know, that kind of brings the topic right around here, Jeff. As an administrator, I'm sure you were, you were feeling very sick on Friday and, and probably weren't able to go to school because you probably were one of those people who were waiting in line for an iPhone. Jeff, tell us about your experiences waiting in line and how is that new iPhone of yours? You think I got a new iPhone? <laughs> Didn't everybody? I, I, oh, no, nobody did, I guess. Did you not? I did not. No, I, 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 no. I, I, I went to four different places and no, nothing at all. Well, this was the first year that I was not given upgrade eligibility by the wonderful AT&T. They were more than willing, though, to put me on the AT&T next plan, uh, which basically pillages you. <laughs> for buying a new phone every year. Um, so I have not yet finagled my way into getting a new iPhone, although that does not mean I am not going to continue trying. <laughs> uh, I found it amazing that, you know, 
Five weeks is basically what they're saying. At the uh, anything other than an Apple store is saying about four to five weeks. And Apple stores, uh, of course, are saying, "Oh, we get shipments in every day." Well, you know, pigs fly too. <laughs> yep, pretty crazy. But I'm sure you did download the new operating system. Let's let's do a little tech geek here. Did you download the operating system? My goodness, I've had the beta releases since beta one, so I've been rocking iOS seven for quite some time. And and, and how do you feel about it now? We, we we've all kind of gotten our share of it here. Um, what do you think? You know, I I think for the most part it's fantastic. I think it's a really good uh, design aesthetic, and um, they've kind of taken out. They've made it more simplistic while also adding features, and I think that that's really good too. Uh, there are certain things that obviously people are going to groan about not being there or being changed. And that's true with any release of uh, an operating system that's substantially changed. But, you know, it'll be that, you know, iOS 8, when that comes out, people will groan that the things that they groaned about are now different. So, you know, it just depends on how you use it and what your common use is. But I, I think they did a really nice job with it. Is there a favorite feature or is there a favorite new thing that you really like and that you're planning to use? It's funny. I thought that I would not use that. Um, I'm, I may not use the right term. Control center. Command center. Swipe, command center. Thank you. Um, Steve? I didn't think I would use that that much. Oh. But I use it constantly. It is all about the command center. They, they I mean, the the flashlight, the the Wi-Fi connectivity, yeah. the Bluetooth. It's all like right there. Audio control. You can bring up your camera, your calculator. I mean, well, and you've always been able to bring up the camera that way. But it's like they finally acknowledged that you might do something other with something other than take a picture with this thing. Right. Well, I, I mean, mean the, I the love camera, my photography. You could do the camera from the lock screen, but you couldn't do it from. The home screen. Oh yeah, having that available from the home screen, and then putting the uh, the spotlight search on the top. Yeah, that's I like nice that a too. lot too. Absolutely. Now, yeah, I'd... it is available for iPhone four and up. Now, my wife and I are looking at our iPhone fours, going, "Do we want to put this operating system on an iPhone four? Is it going to really slow ourselves down?" I'm actually noticing now that I'm having to charge my phone up three times a day because of all the wear wear and tear that I put on it. So you did upgrade? No, I, I only upgraded the iPad 4. I thought you put it on your iPad. Didn't you say you put it on your iPad 2? Not on the iPad 2. I, I've, I've been wanting to and wanting to and wanting to, but, but because you can't go backwards on it, I don't want to hurt that. I mean, the, So here's the, the thing. Yes, go ahead. Um, Talk the nice me. thing about iOS 7 is that based on your device, it will selectively turn off functionality for things that your device cannot handle. And so you won't get parallax on an old iPhone. You won't get, you know, different kind of transitions and animations that are not going to be supported by the processor that you have. So that's really important to know because that will make your decision to upgrade maybe a little bit easier knowing that it will selectively turn off things that it knows your phone can't handle anymore. So it won't try and do it just in spite of having that functionality. Um, Do you know about the, uh, I, I saw several tweets about turning off the, the extra motion feature under accessibility. There was, you know, there's a, but that's just, under, the, that's just if you have the new iPhone, I think because of the, the motion. Chip. No, no, it was, it was there on my 4s and I turned that off because everyone's everyone that I'd seen was saying that in order to save battery life, go into that and turn it off to, uh, hmm. I don't even know what it does, but they said turning it off, you know, 
increases your battery life. So I did it. I'm lucky they didn't say like, you know, turn off all the network settings. Oh, that's a good idea. Now, Peggy George here is saying that she's waiting a few days to install iOS 7 to get rid of some of the glitches. And, and that she's not alone on that. There's a lot of people out there who are saying, give, me, give it some time. And, you know, we're mentioning here but, in the chat over here at TeacherCast.tv that Apple has already come out with an update to the update. They've actually come out with – Jeff, correct me here. It's either 7.01 or 7.1. But that's just for users of the 5S phone. It's not for anybody else. So they have found some things and they have updated it, but it's just for, you know, if you're lucky enough to get one of those phones. I'm told that they do (laughs) exist. Now, I I hear the argument about waiting a little while to check it out. But like Jeff said, there have been beta users of iOS 7 since, what is that, March, Jeff? Yeah. You know, um, so it's not, you know, a brand new thing. If you haven't noticed, you've had 20 plus updates on your um, Apple device for the last, you know, five days running. Everybody has been updating their software since the iOS 7 release or right before the iOS 7 release because they've already had time to develop their iOS 7 versions. So, you know, once they make it public, I don't know if there's a huge reason to wait. We're waiting on our school devices. Like we've asked our students not to upgrade to iOS 7 because we want to make sure that all of the tools that we use to push apps to them or help them, you know, use their iPads effectively are going to be iOS 7 compliant. But I've updated my phone. And Jeff, I did update my iPad too, and it works perfectly so I, is this the challenge should i should i plug in now and wait till the end of the is this really i i just uh, want to know if voxer works out there and i want to give a shout out to my voxer buddies out there who are watching jessica and um now oh sam you okay there yeah sorry about that all right it looks like you got something on your never mind what nothing oh okay no, nothing at all it was um Anyway, so, you know, I, I, overall, I am happy with iOS 7. It takes a while to get used to. How many of you guys really had to go look up how to do the search? I, I actually had to go searching for a direction on how to use the search because you can no longer swipe to the left and, and find the spotlight search. I kind of I actually silly. found it accidentally. <laughs> so that's how I knew how to do it. It was like one of the first things that I accidentally did. I'm like, oh, all right, that's cool. I scoured Twitter like a madman for like eight hours before I updated. So I found, you know, tweets about the the swiping in that direction, the command center, all of these things. The the new uh, photo thing. I took so many great photos today on my insanely long drive. Um, a lot of fun. Love the updated photo inter- interface. Nice, nice. Um, and the cool part about iOS seven is a lot of it can be done in the cloud. And that's the transition we're going to make, Sam. That that was nice. How Two was, points there, Jeff. Did, I like that. Did you like that? <laughs> that was really good. And so it is the last week here of September, I believe. And uh, we're going to be ra- – is it is this the last show in September? I don't know. I should probably – does iOS 7 have a calendar app? I don't know. But we're going to be wrapping up uh, our there, – There's at least 29 days in September. Darn so. it. All right. So I got to look at a calendar. Peggy, help me with this one. So we're going to be wrapping up our, our month-long um, – 
I guess we were saying connected cloud-based uh, apps here. And we, we spent some time talking about different cloud solutions, cloud areas. And today we're really going to talk about different things that you can do with your students. And somebody kind of asked one of us the other day, what is the cloud? How do I use it to my advantage? And I think that's one of the things that we kind of overlook now that we've been using cloud-based solutions for the last couple years, really. Sam, let me kind of propose the question to you since you're not mm-hmm. doing anything over there. What right. What is the cloud? What What is this thing that we're talking about? And how would you describe it to somebody? And please, I think we want to have it in a rhyme scheme. Um, if you you, you got to throw this stuff at me a little earlier if you want it to rhyme. Um, but the cloud is basically a metaphor for remote storage. So where we used to store things on disks and put them in our desk, we can now store things on Evernote server farm in the middle of who knows where. But instead of saying that, it's a lot simpler to say the cloud. Or we can save it you know, in a Google complex 300 stories underground somewhere in Nebraska. Or we can just say the cloud. Um, basically, when we store things in the cloud, they have levels of public and private availability. So you've got a URL attached to, (laughs) sorry, you've got a URL attached to each file that you store in the cloud, which makes it really easy to share it with people. So it becomes really useful if you, for example, shoot a video in class and want to share it with your class and your parents of your class, instead of having to email them the file, which might be hard or impossible because it's too large, you put that file in the cloud and then you can send them a URL link from that file. I I didn't hear half the stuff you were saying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, maybe somebody did. <laughs> I think it was a good description of cloud storage. I understand. Cloud storage is a, is a building underneath the ground in Nebraska. That, that's what I got, right? <laughs> pretty, pretty much. But it's, it's a lot... the complete opposite of the name, then. Well, right. It's a, it's a lot more romantic to say the cloud, right? You know, we're, we're doing something out there in the ether. Never mind that it's actually sitting in a file server somewhere at the end of you're right. of internet cable. I bet are you ditch, saying that ditch storage would be something caught up? Are you saying there was one day bunker. that Apple was, Apple was sharing different ideas for this and the word iBunker didn't come up? Right, right. Or, or, you know, I'm glad we're not running a show right now called, you know, tips for your class in the bunker, right? That does not sound pedagogically good. Well, Jeff, let's talk a little bit about that bunker. Is this a safe thing? Should we be telling kids to put stuff in the cloud? Are we at the point now where we can have sensitive documents in the cloud? I mean, I was recently talking to our guidance department, and they're still trying to figure out how to safely transport IEPs and 504s and all those other documents. Can we put that stuff on Dropbox? Can we put that stuff in Google Drive? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. And, Thank you. you know, I think, I think it happens. I mean, I think it just people are doing it. Oh, well, then it's got to be okay. No, I'm not saying that it's okay. I'm just saying it's happening already. I mean, the teachers themselves are probably, I mean, a lot of them are creating these documents on cloud storage already. So it's not so much the fact of, is it okay to do it? It's more so how do we manage it and maintain it so that it's handled appropriately? And 
there's got to be some developing professional standards for that because I know right. like when you go to a, get accreditation for your school, one of the things they ask to see is where are the student files kept? Are they under lock and key and who has access? And when right. we go to cloud-based, we're going to have those same questions, but it's going to be on you know another level. Our school uses Box for a lot of the file storage and that is a secure private network so we can store you know sensitive documents like that but at the same time we do some work labeling files and such so we know when we're in an area that has sensitive documents in it yeah and i don't know i'm i'm we use a service called my service tracker and it's entirely a cloud-based service to store everything IEP related and uh, ed services related. So, I mean, we're already doing cloud storage of the entirety of our ed services department. And, um, you know, I think it's just using a reputable and trustworthy company in order to make sure that these files are being protected um, is definitely paramount to everything, but it's, it's going to happen. It is happening. And you're right. You're totally right, Sam, though. It just needs to be professional standards attached to how we're actually going to mitigate and manage this. One of the other questions that educators ask are, what types of activities can we do in the cloud? How do we take our, our classroom paperless? And in order to answer some of these questions, we actually have an expert, Jeff, in the field. Uh, he is the, the author of the blog, My Paperless Classroom, Sam Patterson. Whoa, here I am. Thanks, guys. It's awesome to be here. Um, no, you, you kid, but yes, it is really the key to having a classroom that can be paperless is managing online space in such a way that you can share documents with each other. Um, because one of the key things that we do in the class is we have students do something, they do that thing, they create evidence of having done that thing, and they give it back to us. Well, if we can eliminate some of that time where papers are going back and forth and the potential for disorganization and loss that happens, uh, either with our kids with executive functioning disorder or maybe our teachers with their own organizational issues, um, then we can be more effective. So this summer I was using, I was using Google Apps for Education at the Dawson College Bound program. And what we would do each morning is we would have, or at the beginning of each class, we would have a collaborative writing exercise where I would give them a Google Doc and then I would ask them to write in it. And they had a hundred students in that program over the, that I saw over the course of each day. And they would write in their section, but they could also scroll to the other sections and see what they had written. Uh, so this was really neat in a couple of ways. One, because it really promoted community in a broader field than just the class, because they could see answers from anybody else in the class. And it just supported more um, sharing of ideas, because when students socialize you know, verbally, they're choosing the topic they're sharing on, they're sharing what they want to share, period. When I've got them sharing with each other in a Google Doc about a topic that I choose, then we can really get them digging in, do, doing some deeper work, sharing some more important ideas, and really building community between each other. Um, I want to show you. Oh, 
hopefully something other than just a flashing screen. That's really not what I'm looking for there. Hold on. <laughs> hmm. I want to show you something better than that. Hmm. Best laid plans, my friends. Best laid plans of mice and men. <laughs> so, Jeff, what was your least favorite uh, feature of iOS 7 while we have... <laughs> you know, it's something It was kind of funny. It's something my wife and I were talking about. It's the, in the calendar where you can't click on a day anymore and see just a list of what's going on for that day. But it, but don't you like the personalized, wow, it looks like you have a busy day tomorrow. You're starting early. It's not like, I don't care about that day. I usually know what's happening that day. I mean, when I look at like a couple weeks in advance, I click on a day in the calendar view, and then I have to scroll up and down to see as it occurs on the actual day. There's no list anymore of the things that you got going on. So I don't know. That's probably something you'll get used to, just like everything else that changes. But So you're saying that yeah. you're missing the four stallisms of iOS 7. Well, I don't miss the design, but really? I miss that particular I, functionality. I, I actually really do like that. Like that what? I, I, I do kind of like the, you know, when the calendar, I, I like the way that the calendar looks. I guess I was a fan of the stitching. I like the way the calendar looks. I I just like, I, I, and I like for the most part the way it functions. I, I just, just think that they miss, they're still missing the most important part of a contacts app i have to say and that's when i meet you somewhere and i'm putting your name in my if i'm putting your contact in my ipad i can't assign you to a group right i can only assign you to a group if i'm on a desktop machine but through an iphone or an ipad i cannot put you in a group and i gotta tell you and pardon my language that gets me angry. But, and it does. How, if you're at a, at a conference and you're putting in 75 to 100 and some names and you have to then go back to your hotel, turn on your computer, then go through those business cards again, that's a pain in the – excuse me, but that's a pain. Hmm. Sam, how are we doing over there? I never we, even noticed that. Are we, uh, pretty, pretty good, but I'm not, I'm not finding – that that doc is not being visible. I guess I'm just going to count myself lucky that the Google Hangout plugin worked without me having to reinstall it today. But the oh, uh, I had to reinstall mine. Yeah, it seems like every time I turn around recently, I'm reinstalling that thing, and um, the screen share just wasn't picking it up. But I had my students writing on. Um, I gave them the "I am a genius" prompt. Um, and I had them writing about their own kinds of genius and it was really just an amazing experience. And then I was so excited about the kids doing this writing and sharing it that I sent a link to the document, just viewable, you know, they couldn't edit it out on Twitter and Angela Myers retweeted it. And then we crashed the Google doc. An important thing to know is that if you get more than 50 people looking at a Google doc at the same time. They don't have full editing functionality, and it gets really slow and choppy. 
And I think we had about 100 at one point. I had to make a new document for my students to write in and then reshare that address with them uh, because I had made the mistake of tweeting it out while they were working on it. I should have waited until the end of the day. But I'm like, I wanted people to see them writing together because it was so cool. Um, and some of them did, and then everything crashed. <laughs> I, I've done assignments like that, too, where I would have kids running a pre- Google presentation, and I would actually invite other people in to kind of see what people are doing. And, and at one point in time, I had about 60 or so people watching mm-hmm. uh, 20 kids on a Google Doc. And there's a lot of really cool things. I did a presentation about that at ISTE. And, uh, you know, the kids are sitting there doing all this stuff. Suddenly, like, 50, no- 50 more people show up in the Google Doc. And they're like, what's going on? And I'm like, hey, we're tweeting. It's fun. Do your- yeah, who, who's the anonymous chupacabra? Exactly, yeah. right? Well, I'll tell you what uh, has kind of been inspiring me. If, if Sam, you want me to move on with this one? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that, that actually came out of the Tech Educator podcast that I'm proud of is, is Evernote. And I've been an Evernote uh, fanatic, I would say, since uh, we did our show. And I want to bring up here two things. I'm going to show you guys my Evernote for Mac here. And you can see I've got my Evernote book here. And I've been a busy, busy bee. I'm over 700 or so notes. I've been putting all of my uh, baby pictures up. And uh, if you beg really hard, I can show you some more triplet pictures. But I actually, in my music theory class, got all of my kids to sign up for the free version of Evernote. And they've all taken their accounts and made a notebook and shared it with me. And right here, I have a stack of my music theory notebooks. And you can see here that some kids have done their work. Some kids have not been doing notes. But the neat part about this is when the the kids make a new note, it it comes to me. So right here is our sync button, and then over here is the little uh, satellite dish that has the notifications. And you can see here, and I don't know who this kid is, but this is Raider31 made some updates about a half an hour ago to his Evernote book. So I actually got those messages in. It's, you know, Sunday night here, but I can tell that my kids are doing homework. They're working on their Evernote stuff. They're being collaborative, and they know that they have a group project that's due on Wednesday. Now, let me see if I can quickly go into something like this. And you can see here, this person here has a link. She's got some text. Now, this here is a, an app that I have called Cloud Outliner. And it, it makes outlines. And so she took my outline and she put it into her notebook. And uh, there's a lot of things. Like here is a thing on the Renaissance music. And so she's been doing all this work here on her notebook. That's a really neat online thing. Um, Again, that kind of came out of the Tech Educator podcast here, guys. So thank you for that. But it's a really neat way to use Evernote. All of my kids have this account, and I can certainly keep track. The other day when we had back to school night... I showed the parents that we were doing this, and they loved the concept. And my next goal is to hopefully get the same kids to do this with their math and social studies notebooks and you know, get, get used to the fact that Evernote can be used for something other than what I'm making them use it for. Have you seen stuff that's, like that, Jeff or Sam? You know, that, that's really the key when you can get them to grab the tool and use it for their own ends, right? That's kind of the the overall litmus test for me. Um, it's really funny. The most you're, you're the second most excited Evernote user I know right now, Jeff. The first most excited is my wife. I sat her, I gave her uh, ScanSnap scanner, 
and connected it to her Evernote account, got her hooked up on premium, and she filled up the upload allotment already for this month. And she has to wait 15 days for her month to wear out so that she can continue uploading. She's been organizing all of her recipes and uh, just scanning in bags and bags and bags of recipes and organizing them and tagging them that way. And then she shared them with me, which ought to just totally complicate any grocery store trips I plan. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's mentioned that you said premium account. And, and yesterday we put out on TeacherCast a post on a screencast actually of how to use one of the new premium features which is actually full screen presentations and if you come over here to blog.teachercast.net or you can of course visit teachercast.net slash youtube you can check out that it's only like a three minute screencast or so but it's already got a couple hundred hits and people are loving it but it's really really neat feature i was so excited about it and then sam reminded me that that was one of the premium features but it's a and and it's just for mac and it's just for Mac. But I got to show you a couple things here, what you can do with it. Let's just say that you are looking at, oh, I don't know, this wonderful notebook here. I can take these pictures here and then go to full screen mode. Now, of course, by showing you this, you don't have to watch the screencast, but please do. And then, of course, you can just go into full screen mode here and see just how bored you can get when you're at school thinking about the unborn or is it the undead no it's the unborn right so anyway uh, yeah i just oh want to make sure so God. so that is the I, new uh presentation mode if you want to learn more about it certainly head over to teachercast.net slash youtube and uh check that out jeff i noticed that you're missing something from your shoulder today is that are you okay <laughs> yeah i'm doing okay okay excellent excellent Excellent. Uh, Jeff, what, what ways do you think or what ways are you seeing in your school that people are using cloud accounts? I mean, are, are they blogging? Are they Evernoting? Are they using actually, apps? Are they creating uh, edu creations is a, is, a, is a fantastic app now where people are making online screencasts? Yep, that's, that's the way I see it being used quite a bit, actually, is using screencasts, videos. Um, I have teachers that are putting together review videos, um, not the teachers, but students in groups are putting together these review videos using apps like Explain Everything, Educreations, or just recording themselves talking about different things uh, that pertain to a specific unit. And then the group is then uploading it to a shared Dropbox file uh, that the entire class can access. And that is basically creating a great review for some of the lessons that are being taught in the classroom. Uh, it's a great review activity right before you know a big unit test or something like that. Uh, just getting the kids thinking about the content in a different way. If they need to present it and teach it, it's gonna you know like somebody has said before a thousand times, you know the best way to learn something is to be able to teach it. So um, I think that. That is one of my favorite uses of cloud storage is being able to make something really cool, whether it be a screencast or a video, and then uploading it to the cloud in order for the rest of the classmates to be able to have access to it. Now, Sarah brings up a good point here. She is on the chat box here at teachercast.tv, which you can check out here every Sunday night at 7 o'clock. And she says she's trying to get her school onto Dropbox. She's trying to move her school forward. What advice, Jeff, as an administrator, would you give an educator who's trying to push their their school forward, but maybe the administration just doesn't get it yet? 
Yeah, that's a really great question and something that comes up pretty regularly. It seems like either your district or school is either all for it or all against it. And the ones that you're going to be battling with, obviously, are the ones that are all against it. They don't see any merit in having those additional accounts. They want what they own and what they want to use. And what you really need to do is to you know, develop these lesson plans that use some of these services that they're saying aren't beneficial or aren't going to be you know, secure enough or whatever and show them what you're going to be using it for and show them what it really is. Because what I've found is that the majority of the people that are making these decisions saying, no, we can't do this, no, we can't do that, really have no concept as to how it's being used. So, you know, that's really the most important thing. If we have a teacher that approaches us, it's always, how are you going to use it? Why are you going to use it? And then you know, 99% of the time, sure, go for it. Let's make it happen. Because if they can justify the use for it and show how it's going to improve student learning, how can you say no to that? Uh, we have another question coming in here from the chat box. Jeff, they want to know if your school district is hiring. <laughs> uh, yeah, we seem to, we're a very large school district, so we always seem to be hiring. So you're always welcome to send your resume over to me, and I would be happy to get it to any of our buildings that are actually hiring. No problem. So uh, please send that email. It's uh, sam at mypaperlessclassroom.org. So. <laughs> I don't think that'll get to me. <laughs> Dot com. I, yeah, it should. It should, but it wouldn't. I haven't set enough for that up. Nice. <clears throat> I'm actually going to be looking at how to... Somebody in the front office of my school came to me recently and said, you know, we'd really like the school to be paperless and um, want you to work with us on that. And that was about the depth of the conversation. And I'm wondering how big of a question that is. And the more I think about it, the more, you know, it really comes down to a couple of different things. Classroom use is one, but then administrative file storage and then communication with the staff is another. I mean, just about our entire staff has iPads now, just about. Yeah. Um, so, but you go to a staff meeting and somebody might say, you know, we really need to have rules where you're not allowed to have iPads out at staff meetings and then they'll hand out a bunch of photocopies. Hmm. So I think it's just going to be a little bit of time before, you know, use catches up with available tools. Well, doesn't cloud-based by definition mean instead of I'm copying it for you, I'm going to email it to you and then you guys all print it off for yourself? Oh, Jeff, 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 Jeff. No, now the scanner, the, 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 the copier, I, I don't even call it the copier anymore. The copier has, in our building, has a couple different functions. It can print, it can copy, but most importantly, it can scan. So even if you're not comfortable with printing PDFs and emailing them, you can take a printout and drop it back into the scanner and create a PDF that you then email out to people. It's not that difficult to then set up an email address where when you want it to go to the entire staff, instead of emailing it to yourself and then emailing it out to the entire staff, you set an email address that automatically propagates that message to the entire staff. I like the idea that I've been doing recently, and this is, again, thanks to uh, you guys, but I've been sending all of my email to Evernote and then just sharing the Evernote with people. That's a good way to do it. Now, 
I want to switch gears here and ask a question. We actually had a, a voicemail come in this week. And if you're out there interested in leaving us a voicemail to maybe bring up a topic, you can certainly do that at techeducatorpodcast.com slash voicemail. We would certainly love to have that and I'll play that for you. And it was kind of a, a question on cloud-based storage, but kind of a video question and an audio question. And I've gotten this question a lot recently. And in fact, it's one that we're tackling at our school district. This administrator wants to go video uh, morning announcements and they're trying to figure out how to do video morning announcements but the situation is not all of his classrooms have monitors in it and so they're trying to figure out how to do a combination of over the loudspeaker announcements slash video production. And before I kind of give you my answer for that, because I, I actually had the administrator call me up and we talked for about a half an hour on different possibilities here. I, I wanted to throw that out to, to the uh, two and a half of you there. And I wanted to kind of get your ideas of if you were looking to do, you know, morning announcements by video, how would you do it? Would you do it live? Would you do it pre-recorded? What software would you use? Um, could it be done? And if so, how? Um, you know, there's, there's a couple different important questions to ask. One is, can you tolerate having someone else's ads involved in your video announcements? Um, if you can, then there's a number of inexpensive, almost free ways that you can do it. If you can't, then your choices are more limited. The other important question is, do your video announcements contain information that is completely okay to have publicly available? Mm -hmm. So if you are just having adults speak in your morning announcements and you're not showing kids or pictures of classrooms or this kind of thing, then great. Or if you have photo releases for all of those students, that's fine. Um, you know, pre-producing a video announcement, putting it out on YouTube, having that be a link that's available for the teachers to play during homeroom or advisory it's a beautiful thing you will end up with other people's ads on your video on your announcements and you will be public if you want to do it live ustream you can you know do a lot of things using ustream uh for free you have more choices the more you want to pay, but you also still have to be able to tolerate the fact that that's public and available and that could have ads on it. I think pre-recording it and putting it on Google Drive is probably one of your best options because you can control who has access to the link. You can just, especially if you are a Google Apps for Education school, and you won't have to put up with the ads. But if they do that, that means that every homeroom has to then go into that file pull it up on some kind of computer and play the video, right? Yep. Yeah, there's no, we, I, I'm not sure there's a good solution for your, we want video announcements, but the rooms don't have monitors. There isn't. I'm not even addressing that one. And Jeff, what, what, what do you, before I kind of give you my answer, what do you think, Jeff, with, with all this? Well, so I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, you need to at least have a, um, Something, a computer with a projector, smart board, TV, whatever it is, Apple TV, whatever. Um, well, Apple TV might be inherently difficult as well. Um, but you have to have some way to show your recording. I mean, you got to have it. So we have to just assume that there is something 
on there in each classroom that will be able to display that information. But what I would say is that, yes, Sam's right with putting it into like a shared Google Drive or Dropbox, uh, recording in advance. That's the most secure way for the information that you're going to be sharing. If you know that the totality of what's going to be shared in these morning announcements are just generic pieces of information like, hey, we have a French club meeting on Thursday. Uh, you probably don't need to worry about that as much. And then you can maybe do something like a YouTube live and have everyone tune into that at the same time and still have it be broadcasted live. So that's one way to do it. Um, but if you wanted to record them in advance and be able to have them just have the teacher show it, uh, you know, within a 10 minute time frame, that's what worries me, me too, is that every teacher will have to orchestrate this exactly at the same time, no matter what. Oh, that'll work out just fine. Right, don't you see that working well? And so I like the idea of having it be something that's pre-recorded and put into a folder for the teacher to be able to open up and play. Jeff, I think we're missing the bigger problem here, though. So often in, in tech implementation, we focus on the minutia and we miss the big picture. And that's what's happening right here. So what, what's the big picture, Waka? Um, announcements are horrible and no one listens to them. Also true. That's a very good point. What, what if the yeah. announcements were made from puppets? I think I mean, if I'm sorry, maybe I'm sorry. made by puppets. <laughs> thank you. Puppets. Thank you. I think that maybe if you had puppets deliver the announcements and played with the video special effects, so there was a lot of static and, and whatever, and then someone came on and said, ah, we've hacked the morning announcements, and here's what we're going to tell you instead, then, then maybe people would watch. But I think after two or three days, they would catch on. So, Waco, how does it feel to be uh, in the in the phantom zone here? Um, you know, I, I like being in the phantom zone. My friends, uh, Bizarro Man and those three creeps from Krypton are here. <laughs> well, you know, it's an interesting topic, and, and you guys certainly bring up a lot of points. The one thing that I did say to him is that, you know, if you're going to be doing a combination, you either have to go all video or all audio, right? I mean, we can agree on that. You can't have a principal's office throw audio announcements up and have it go on the intercom. You can't not have the intercom go to every single room. On the other hand, you can't have video in some rooms but not others. If you want it to be done live – you run the problem of, let's say that like in our school, morning announcements start at 7.30. Well, if you're going to do it live, that means you have to be starting to set up at least at 7 o'clock, which means you have to get your students in at 6.45, which means you have to get your teacher in at 6.30. Now you're asking your teacher to come in earlier than contract hours, and you're trying to expect kids to show up 45 minutes early to school. How are you going to get your camera crew in there? Lots of things going on there. Could you use Ustream just in any of those sites like we use here? Yes. Will you be dealing with commercials? Absolutely. Now, most of these sites, as you guys know from watching here, have commercials every 10 minutes or so, but they always start with a commercial. So you're running the risk of somebody logging on at a certain time. Actually, you'd be, you'd be worrying about 30 different classrooms logging in at different intervals, and their announcements are going to be, you know, you're not going to hear the first five minutes of every announcement. So that's a bummer. And even if your announcements don't, don't go that long, you're still having commercials in there. The nice thing about Justin, YouTube, Ustream, and all these other ones is you still get that common video box. Now, Jeff brought up doing YouTube, right, Jeff, of having a yeah. YouTube live, but... 
the only way to do YouTube Live is if you have over 100 subscribers, which most mm. schools don't. Second of all, the reason why we don't do YouTube Live is because every single time you turn on YouTube and want to go live, you have to create an event, and then they give you a new link, and then you have a new video box. So for us tonight, let's say you know we're doing a show at 7 o'clock, then we're doing Principal Cast at 9.30, I'd have to set up two events, two live boxes, and then I don't want my teachers going to some long YouTube address. I'd rather them go to teachercast.tv. So I'd have to take that video box in bed and put it on my class website twice. Now you're talking about doing all of that extra work just to go commercial free on YouTube. It's not worth it. The concept of Sam going into Google folders is great, but now you still have to have a monitor. And yeah, I, I, I agree with Sam that nobody listens yes you heard it here i agree with sam nobody listens to morning announcements except for my classroom which always listens to morning announcements and so how if it's if it's pre-recorded let's say that you know i brought this up in school let's say that we record tomorrow's announcements during lunch today well that still means that you have to have a teacher and an entire camera crew in during lunch then after lunch they have to sit there and do post-production then they have to edit it then they have to put it up in google drive and then the next morning the teacher has to go and put something together where they have to log it's way too messy Mm -hmm. and that's why we should get rid of announcements altogether we should create some kind of a blog have all the students with a common email address get an email every single day the teacher should get an email every single day and no morning announcements. Thank you, everybody. Where's John with the... No, okay. Where's the... Where's the... Okay. Uh, Walker, can I get an applause from you? I'm pretty sure we're going to phase out our morning announcements. We've been using Twitter for all of our morning our announcements that go out on Twitter and also are read. And the kids interact so much with them on Twitter that I think we're just going to dump them in the, in the red ones in the morning. I used to do like dramatic interpretations of the morning announcements wait, just wait. to get kids to pay attention. Was that I believe that was that dramatic or Germanic? Um, it depended on the day. During Oktoberfest, <laughs> it was more Germanic. I, does that mean you're coming out with like horns and like the no, not, not the Brunhilde stuff? No, I, I'd bring in a Valkyrie now and then when needed. You know, you got always the, the key to being a good a good connected educator is always having resources available. And if you don't have a Valkyrie on call, you're just amateur league brother. <laughs> I will I will I will make do with that one here. Uh, Peggy is bringing up some facts here. Let's see. Peggy's always available to save us when the humor goes down. Uh, Sarah says, why can't 6th through 12th grade kids get the announcements via Twitter or Facebook? That's what we do. Why not, right? That's how, I mean, it's amazing. We'll tweet out something and we'll have 50 to 100 retweets. Now, how is that? That's that's crazy. Your cloud score has got to be amazing. It's got to be fantastic. But what are you retweeting, (laughs) Jeff? Is somebody typing in 140 characters or are you just putting a link to a PDF somewhere? What, what nope, is actually going up? We actually uh, type out each of the announcements. Hand-typed tweets. Hand-typed and tweets. then you print those out and hand those to the teachers? Yeah, right. <laughs> we take a snapshot of our Twitter feed and... Craig Yen is saying announcements through Remind 101, which I love that concept. 
Yeah, that's cool. That just means that you, but, but it is easier. I mean, okay. With the school district that I'm working with, we have staff at blah, 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 dot com. You can just create a blog and have that one email address, knowing that everyone's going to get it through remind one one. You have to have all 2,300 kids sign up for this. It's a little bit, right. a little bit harder. Look guys, it's been that's, a great, I mean, we kind of do that I'm gonna, before you interrupt. Oh, um, we kind of do that. At the beginning of each school year, we get on the intercom and say, hey, get out your phones. If you're on Twitter, join us. Uh, and we give out our uh, Twitter handle and have all the kids, you know, at us. And it works great. I mean, it my because I'm the one that manages it, actually. And my account just goes nuts for like 20 minutes. It's just got like so many people adding it. Um, but that's the way we get people into it. And we have them do it right there. Take out their phones. Create an account if you don't have one. That That's how we do things in our music theory class. I just, you know, first day, boom, here's the number. Before they even have a chance to say, what is this? They're texting. And I got them at that point. There you go. Awesome. Yeah, you try that with the elementary kids, and they're like, yeah, I don't have a phone. And I'm like, oh. But when my mom's here, I can use her phone. Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We are the Tech Educator Podcast. We are here every single Sunday night at 7 o'clock. And thank you guys so much for joining us. We, of course, can be found on techeducatorpodcast.com slash live if you want to check us out that way. Or, of course, we're also live at teachercast.tv. Jeff, tell us a little bit more about what's going on this week on Instructional Tech Talk. Yeah, like I was saying at the beginning of the show, I'm excited to kind of get into a more regular release schedule with the podcast. So this uh, entire week, we're going to have a new um, podcast episode, five to ten minutes in length, highlighting an instructional tech tool or app that you can use to better instruct uh, and work with your kids. And so that's going to be releasing starting tonight for the next seven days in a row. So after that, we'll get into the weekly release of the podcast again. And um, there have been a few extra posts being added to the site over the past few days, and that'll be um, more, more regulated as well. So just excited to get back into the regular release schedule. Nice. And uh, Waka, what's going on with you this week? Oh, we, we've got a great Batui chat scheduled this week. We're talking about uh, iPad implementation, learning stations, apps, what a good app does, how to spot a bad app. Can I, can I say crap app? I don't think I can. Um, so, yeah, you know, we should have a good chat this week. Looking uh, forward to it. Waka, you've got something just above the bridge of your nose. Can you can you get that for me? I can't, I can't see it, Jeff. Oh, okay. Sorry. Never mind. Um, well, thank you, Waka, so much for being here today. And please uh, tell Sam that we hope to see him next week. They said you're fired. Okay, will do, Jeff. Okay. And, of course, there's a lot of stuff happening this week on TeacherCast. We just released podcast number 103 featuring the great company Belkin, who not only makes great wireless solutions, but they also have some really, really neat stuff. So check that out over at podcast.teachercast.net slash episode 103. You can check that out there. want to say thank you to everybody on our, t- on our chat box tonight from Sarah to Craig to Peggy to uh, to Jeff, to Jessica, to you name it, everybody out there. Thank you so much for supporting 29 episodes and counting of the Tech Educator Podcast. My name is Jeff, and thank you so much again for listening to the show. We will be back next week as the start of Connected Educator Month. If you would like to be featured on the show, we are looking for you. We are looking to have some interesting and amazing guests with us next week. Maybe 
It could be you. Check us out then. Until that time, please take care of yourself and continue sharing your passions with your students. Good night, everybody.